Yo, welcome back to That Guy Show Podcast. I'm William. I'm Matt. That Guy Show is a podcast for men, about men, by men, as men, and with men. Amen. What's up, Matt? What's going on, Will? Not too much, dude. Just trying to live life uh, quarantined. Yep. You know, just day by day. Never know what's going to yeah. happen next. Living that mask life. Well, when we were talking the other day... Um, I somehow randomly brought up to you, uh, we were talking about stimulus money and I brought up to you the concept of, uh, UBI and which is universal basic income, which a particular presidential candidate made very popular. And, uh, I was like, you know, we should talk about that. So we kind of stopped our conversation abruptly because you didn't really know that much about it. And you were like, yeah, I'd be willing to talk about that. Uh, cause I just thought it was a really creative solution um, on a bunch of levels. And I thought it'd be cool to talk to you about it. And since we both just got some random income from the government to spend and quote unquote, stimulate the economy, though, really, in reality, this money was really just to help people stay afloat or something, you know, right. Um, I really, we're calling it stimulus money, but it really wasn't intended to stimulate the economy rather than just keep the thing on life support. But, um, Anyway, um, so I did send you some videos about UBI, and so it just sort of created like this atmosphere of like brainstorming new ways to do things, and I, I wanted to bring it up to you because I, I really thought it was interesting and, and how it was treated in the Democratic primary, like uh, it was not explained well. Obviously, people, when you're on stage and you're doing debates, you don't really have a lot of time to say stuff. So when you just hear somebody talking about giving away free money, you just sort of like, oh, it's just another democratic policy to spend more money than you have. Um, but then when I was looking at it, well, how much would that cost versus how much we're spending in things like welfare and other things? It's actually less money than we're spending in those things. And um, the concept of it, at least, is that if you were to implement it, you would actually get rid of a whole lot of social services um, which you could call welfare type programs that we have now, not necessarily all of them, um, but many of them, you wouldn't be able to get both. You'd have to either, I think the way that Andrew Yang talks about it is you'd basically have to like keep that income. Uh, you'd have to choose one. Like you'd have to stay on the welfare. Cause my, my biggest thing that I used to always say when I, when I worked with low income families in New York was like how frustrating it was when you'd get a guy who just got out of prison, he wanted to get his life right, and you know he's got kids and like a quote-unquote wife or a common-law wife, which was a phrase I basically learned in New York. I didn't even know what that was. Um, and, uh, and I was like, well, why don't you just go live with them? Like get back involved in your kids' lives. And they were like, oh, I can't do that. And it was because of how much money they receive I mean, that's part of it. I mean, obviously you can lie about where you live, uh, but you have to have a place to live uh, or you have to have a place, uh, an address to get certain benefits from. And I was always like, I don't know how to fix the welfare problem in the sense of like, I don't want to take money away from people who are in need of money, but I also don't like the situation of another adult male goes into a household of another adult of two other adults and a couple kids, and then you're going to penalize them for that. You know, when we want to actually reward people for 
living together, you know, uh, and having more adults raise kids than less adults raise kids. And, um, so anyway, so I was like, I never knew a good answer to that. Like I never had a good idea. And, uh, when I was hearing Andrew Yang discuss it, I was like, wow, that's a solution to that idea. Because it would, if mo- the more adults live in a house, the more kids over 18 live in a house together, the more money that household is making, you know, because everyone is getting the same amount of money and it's not even welfare because literally everyone gets it, no matter how rich or poor you are. So it's not even a stigmatized thing, like everyone gets this money. Um, so I thought it was very interesting. And of course, I looked up how much money we're currently spending on welfare, which ranges i mean the the estimates are all over place because it depends on how you add all this stuff up people with their fancy math but no matter how you add it up it would be cheaper to do ubi you know and it could be even remotely i mean much cheaper to do that but you also remove a lot of the the middleman and stuff like that from the process because there's not a lot of administration you're just like getting money and everyone gets it and it's like boom you know yeah i I think that you know it sounds great for everybody just to get a thousand dollars a month, every adult to get a thousand dollars a month. But there, I mean, there's so many people out there that don't need $1,000 a month. And then there's a difference between the, not just the need and the want, but so for example, for my situation, I have a very good paying job, especially for the area that I live in. My wife and I, we are, we are comfortable, but we're still relatively paycheck to paycheck. Now, that's mainly because of our spending habits or previous spending habits that we have grown from that we are now paying for, right? Um, that $1,000 a month would go a long way for us, but it, it, if we didn't have it, we would be able to survive, right? You have other families that have two-income households that make very, very, very good money that the extra $1,000 a month, no one's going to turn it down. You know, it's, it's, it's free real estate, you know, it's, it's free. So, but they don't need it. Or if you did give them a thousand dollars extra a month, you wouldn't see anything curb. Like their spending wouldn't all of a sudden just be like, oh, we're just gonna start spending a thousand more dollars. Like they're already kind of spending money in my, in my opinion. Um, and then you have lower income families at the thousand dollars a month per person would be a huge huge game changer for him um so i I just don't think a a millionaire needs a thousand dollars a month well you know and i do sort of agree with you on that uh but at the same time i sort of see the i mean i don't see why you couldn't just do like we do with our tax system i mean you know uh people that are making two hundred thousand dollars a year versus 120 you know 150 thousand a year versus under a hundred thousand a year but i mean like let's let's just say you cut everybody off like you just get right in the median you know what i mean like so basically like families that are like i mean the way they did it for this stimulus check what was it it was like families making 150 or something like that yeah, how, was it one was it 150 or 125 or something for a household but let's just say you took something like that i mean you did the same thing and you just cut out a portion of people um and you know, which I mean, honestly, is shrinking. So the number of people, uh, you know, making lots of money is growing, uh, whereas a lot of people making like medium income and lower is is growing. Uh, is yeah. what I meant. Is is, is 
the the wealth is going is going higher to individuals, but collectively seen an issue. I, I thought the interesting part of what Andrew Yang was actually talking about was he said that he saw that a lot of people were going to lose their jobs in the next like 10 years or so, like more than ever in history because of automation. So whether it's truck drivers or even like something like a post office driver, like it's not that far fetched that one day packages will be drone delivered and there'll be little machines that go around and deliver people's mail. There'll be, I mean, a lot of automation is going to happen. And, um, and that's going to kill a lot of jobs. And so I think he, what he was saying was, and, and his focus actually had a lot to do with the middle of the country, if you will, and a lot of people in rural areas who were going to be like truck drivers and other professions that were going to be highly agricultural jobs. And uh, that was part of why he was almost, I wouldn't say laughed off, but he was very dismissed. And people would say crazy stuff about him. Like he had like all these like, they were like, they would say that he had like white uh, nationalist support and like weird stuff like that. But it was because he would talk about people in the middle of the country and rural areas and right. how we needed to like help them. And it's kind of like, no, we, we don't want to help them at all. Like that's not what you're supposed to talk about. Right. So you know? like for me, our civilization as a human race, the entire world has survived by establishing a town village a tribe whatever in a location use the resources there when the resources resources run out you move and you go to a new location and i've heard andrew yang in interviews talk about the how that's a huge pro if you can't find work in your area you move and you go to another area and at the same time it's it's hard when you lose your job, but to move across the country would be devastating for your family unit. You'd have to leave your mom and dad, you know, the grandparents, um, you know, you have to take your kids out of school. Like it, it is a huge burden to do that. But yeah, when you can get into different cultures and see how other people live, how other people make money, how other people survive, I think it does a lot for humankind. And he's mentioned that he's he's pro that um as well so i think the argument for middle america i think middle america needs to when i say middle america i literally mean in the middle of the united states you know um midwest area you need to move yeah, but I mean, that's if, only assuming that industry changes and job moves. So, for example, with automation, the problem is is that it's not like, oh, uh, the automation, they're now making – yeah, robots making robots that do human jobs. So my point is is that like you're not necessarily going to replace these with another type of job. He's saying like you need to really think about, okay, well, we need to be on the forefront as a country – of this technology investing in this technology because we need to beat the other countries to this technology so that we can make the money off of this technology which ultimately this is how you would pay for a lot of these things because obviously you have to tax the things that are doing really well in order to um to support the things that are not doing really well so i mean that's part of this this whole process because if the united states is sort of last to the market like we were with 5g then we ended up trying to build an infrastructure with someone else's technology 
which we then realize has a back door to have trying to spy on everything we do. And then they try to get rid of that. And now we're like behind the 5G war, if you will. I mean, we will be one of the last countries to have a good coverage of 5G um, because of that, you know, because we tried to go back on this whole, you know, uh, anyway, but my, my idea behind all of that was that I just thought, well, you know, it is interesting because like one of the things that um, I've heard as a, well, two people actually. So when in the Ben Shapiro episode where Ben Shapiro talks to him, as well as the Mark Cuban episode, they both said the exact same thing, which was their biggest criticism was like on a human level. Like, like it's out of the strife and difficulty of life that produces greatness. Like people that, that just come out of that and do something great, like an entrepreneur is really what they were talking about. At least, And, um, and they were saying like, you know, if you get certain amount of money like in college you might actually stunt that creative spark or like when you decide to get married and you realize you don't have any way to support your family and then you have to like push yourself to to get to a place where you can support them if you're sort of living with four other adults and you just finished college and you don't really have any bills you could very easily prolong that process for many years. You know what I'm saying? And so they, that yeah. was their main argument was like, well, if I had this money, like Mark was saying, if I had this money, I may not have started my own business. You know what I mean? Like, whereas on the other end of the spectrum, there could be a guy who, who that money allows him to start his own business because it gives him a little bit of cushion, you know? Um, it just, it, it speaks a lot to human motivation and what's a better human motivator but letting you like hit rock bottom and then pick yourself up and hopefully there's like a vehicle for you to climb out of it or is it better to have a, a, a better basic safety net? Um, because as a country, like, you know, maybe people will start doing more music and art and other things that actually enrich culture um, that lift everyone up, but that don't necessarily produce uh, goods and services like an economy like you would see measurable in an economy, you know, right. Um, having, uh, places to go like your local farmer's market or a festival that, you know, you could have things in your local city that are like great to have, but if you got rid of them really wouldn't change the economic look of your, of your city. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of positive things you can do for society. Um, yeah, that that a, perhaps a, a basic income um, could help, and it could cover more people, and it would just get rid of. To me, honestly, like the thing I think I like the most about it is there's like no middleman involved at all. Like you don't have to go through, a, a, and there's less corruption. I mean, there's almost. I mean, you could obviously people are gonna die and stuff, and you might try to like you know keep them locked in a basement somewhere so you can collect their UBI or something. But I mean, like as a general rule, you're not gonna have like tons of. Um, it's just not, it doesn't lend itself tons of corruption. I mean, you know, there's not that much to take advantage of. Everybody gets yeah. the money. I thought it was really cool. And this would, this is, this was, I thought, as part of why I think brainstorming with people is so awesome. In that discussion with Mark Cuban on the Andrew Yang podcast, he, uh, they were talking about stimulus checks and the economy. And Mark said the coolest thing that I'd never thought of, which was not like I would have needed to think of this, but it was like, why not give every American person a debit card? And, um, and he was saying like, one, he was like, it's really concerning that we don't actually know 
where everyone is in the country, like to give them a check, like how hard it was to just write every single person in the country a check. It took like three months for people to get their money because there was no centralized place for that. And he was saying, we need to be focused on getting that in case this thing happens again. And we need to do more, uh, more types of, you know, uh, stimulus type money. He's like, we need to have this together. So his idea was to give everyone a quote-unquote debit card um, and preload on that debit card a certain amount of money, like $1,000, $2,000, and, uh, and every two weeks it replenishes itself. But whatever you don't spend, you lose. I yeah. was like, man, that is freaking brilliant because then that would prevent like you and me, like one, you couldn't cash out of it and you, you couldn't pay off all the credit cards with it. And so like all you, ha- you could only spend it in the world, you know, and people would spend it. Obviously people would go out of their way to buy as much crap as they possibly could, uh, with their, uh, money. They'd be calling up their parents. Did you spend all your money? Yeah. Um, but I thought as, as far as actual stimulus, if you wanted to stimulate the economy for a few weeks, or a month or something, that would have been a much, that would have been a brilliant way to do it. Um, obviously, it takes a little organization and technology to get that stuff together because you, you know, but it's certainly doable, you know? Um, I just, I mean, I don't know how doable, it, I mean, where's that money come from, though? Oh, well, that, obviously, it comes from the government, it comes from the, the, the treasury. But, but where do they get it, the money from? Well, they print the money. <laughs> they get to make it. They get to borrow it. Uh, they get to uh, exactly. I mean, so, and this is where I, I feel like it doesn't work. And instead of trying to fix the issue, they want to implement a whole new system, which is not a bad idea. But you need to get everybody on board. For example, you know, how great would it be if we were all using the metric system? Life would be so much easier. But we don't. We use Imperial, and as far as I know, it's really only here in the States that we really use Imperial. Like, Canada, I think, is metric. You know, they're kind of a mix between them, but... Yeah, um, they're a mix, because in the printing world, they're still using the... Uh, they still use a lot of the empirical stuff. I don't know why. Imperial. Sorry. Maybe that's because most of their business is here in the States, you know, so it's, maybe that's Maybe why. so. I found but, it really strange, because I think they do use... They definitely use the metric system for, like, temperature, the right. other day yeah. we were on a phone call and everybody was like, gosh, it's like 23 degrees Celsius. It's crazy. I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. <laughs> like, like 23 none. anything sounds real cold. So right. I don't even know. I don't even know what tw- how 23 could be. But hot. if we just if we just pull rip the bandaid off and from now on, every school is going to implement the metric system for learning. In the next 30 years the country would shift, right? But you need to rip that Band-Aid off. It's not going to happen overnight. But eventually when these college students come in and they, they've, they graduate from college and they've spent the last 15 years in school with the metric system, they're going to come out learning the metric system, you know, and using the metric system. And eventually when they're the old farts out of the bosses, it's the metric system everywhere, right? But you got to rip that Band-Aid off. And, and so for this one here, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of, I think, unknowns. Like, I, I w- I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't mind $1,000 a month. And that would be two grand a month for me and my wife. Now, if I got that, would I have the incentive to stay working? 
And I think a part of me is just you get a little burnt out. Like I would love to go, you know, 30 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. But I that's what I'm saying. But that. that part of but that's part of what Andrew is suggesting is that by doing that, you also empower workers over companies. Because then, like you said, you're like, you know what? I want to work 30 hours, not 40 hours. And now, you know, you have something to, um, like, you you can you can do what's best for you, uh, and to like achieve the, but, the best potential as a human. You know, but. You know, when when Mark Cuban was on Andrew Lang's podcast, he said, you're going to see companies starting to pay people twelve thousand dollars less a year. Because now the going rate is like, you know, you're getting twelve thousand dollars from the government. I'm not going to pay you the twelve thousand. So now an engineering job that started at 50 grand a year is now going to be thirty eight thousand a year starting pay. And what are you going to do as an engineer, you know, or whatever your profession is, You, you you're not going right. to really shop around because everybody's going to start doing it. So it's almost like it, it ends up evening, evening itself out, except for the fact that the government just keeps spending more money, right? Um, well, that and that, well, yeah, so. Well, actually, in your scenario, the evil corporate man uh, just basically finds a way, as he always does, to benefit off of any good thing and screw the worker. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but it doesn't take is away that, from is the that is that another podcast or is that the underlying reality of every conversation? Well, so another thing that Andrew Lang was talking about was uh, you know, a forced not forced, but a mandatory like every employee gets four weeks vacation. That's the minimum. And I kept thinking, I was like, Man, fast food people and grocers and stuff like that, I was like, you know, can they afford to do that? Like, can they afford to do, give every employee four months? I mean, four weeks vacation. Well, if you were getting a UBI, maybe so. But I mean, the reality is, is you have to, there's a certain, there's a certain area, there's a certain place where, um, uh, income level, you know, maybe people consider that the poverty line, but there's a certain income level where, your life, you start to, you start to make life decisions that match your income. Like when I, when I, my first job, I was making like 20, almost $25,000 a year. And I mean, I, I probably had more money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Those three years than I ever did the right to this day. Well, maybe not to this day, but close. Meaning that I, I was paying, I was living in an apartment with another guy. My total bills was like $400. Like all of my, I mean, you know, my non-smart cell phone bill wasn't even that high. I had drove a Chevy, not a Chevy, a Toyota Tercel. I mean, I just had no bills. And so I had all this cash and I just didn't know what to do with it. You know, I would just buy stuff with it and just spend freely. And so it was like I felt really wealthy because I had just had money and I couldn't spend it fast enough before the next paycheck would get in there. Um, I've never really felt that since those few years. You know what I mean? Because you just buy stuff and scale. And so, I mean, that's, that's another part of it is learning how to really manage money. Um, you know, and you can't really teach people that you can throw lots of money at people and it's not necessarily going to fix anything. You know, if the person doesn't have the skill set on how to plan and save or even the ability to do those things, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, I thought it was, I thought it was some creative ideas uh, because just to throw one last number out there, 
Like we're currently spending around six hundred uh, million dollars in welfare services of just various kinds, and if you add up all the state welfare services, which are very different state to state, you're almost at a trillion dollars. Yeah, you meant billion. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, my bad, billion. Yeah, and total um, with state, it's a, it's up to upwards to a trillion. Yeah, upwards to a trillion. Whereas the UBI concept is in the 300, uh, you know, it's, well, you know, if you're just doing a thousand dollars a month, you're talking, if it's, if it's 300, uh, one estimate I saw was 250 actual people over the age of 18, uh, you're talking about 200, you know, whatever the number is, it's like $290 million. I mean, that's significantly less money than but what wait, we're that, currently that, spending. That number doesn't make sense because 200, so whatever, 209 million people. In the times US, a thousand over eighteen over a thousand is is two point five billion dollars. It should be the exact same thing, billion, right? Correct, but you have to multiply that times twelve, and now you're at two point five trillion dollars for the year. When annually for welfare is around one trillion for the year, so it's actually, from my calculations, it's one point five trillion dollars more than the welfare system we have now. Well, true. However, that if you did it the way that you and I mentioned, or at least the way you mentioned, which was only giving that money to people who are under a certain income level, you may be able to get it to be closer to what we we currently have. But I think the idea is that you're giving that money to people who are then spending that money um, opposed to trying to micromanage. And, and you're, not, you're also not taking into consideration all the people you have to pay for these jobs to actually like dish out the welfare and make sure that's working and investigate the fraud and the, you know, like all of that stuff. That's a different story. I mean, to me, that's their own fault. All they have to go is digital and it would solve everything. For example, you have a debit card now instead of using food stamps, right? Because it took the stigma away from being poor, right? And I got nothing against that, really. I'm not of the mindset that that stigma will help you want to get out of that situation. Some people just can't get out of the situation they're not set up to. So the debit card is fine. But there should be certain SKUs that don't allow you the debit card to work. So, for example, at a gas station convenience store, the debit cards for food stamps should not work except for milk, water, bread, you know, like essentials, stuff you need to live off of. So if you go to a gas station, you should only be able to buy the essentials to, to live, you know, water, milk, bread, you know, if they sell meat there. But if you're going to go there and grab some, grab an icy, you know, I don't think welfare money should be spent on that. And that that's the problem. Or and some whiskey. You know, or whiskey or alcohol, you know, I mean, I don't think you can. But, you know, I, I've seen so many people when I go to Sam's. And it's around the time of month where welfare money comes in or food stamps come in and it's a cart full of soft drinks and chips and and cookies and and stuff like that, you know, and then there's there is other food in there. There's meat and there's maybe water and milk. But to me, to live appropriately, a happy life, you should you should only need certain amount of food. And I'm not trying to get the government to come in and regulate what foods or not. But I think with the abuse that's happening here, it might need to be regulated. You know, I don't think soft drinks should be bought with welfare money. It is not a necessity to survive. And it is no longer cheaper to buy soft drinks than it is to buy water. 
Now, when you go to the gas station and a fountain drink for 64-ounce Coke is $0.08, cents, 80 cents, and a bottle of water is $2, there's a huge discord there. Like, there's a huge difference, which means, to me, you shouldn't be able to spend food stamps there. But Because if, if you went to the grocery store, you could get a 12-pack of water for $3.50, or you can buy a 12-pack of Coke for $5. And to me, that, that's not spending the welfare money appropriately. And it's not the people on welfare's fault. They've got free, free, free reign to go buy whatever they want to buy. And I think that's yeah, I don't what know. they I need think to reform. I, I, I don't know, dude. I, I just I don't think you can micromanage what people are buying. I mean, it's like if you why do that, because you? you can't. I mean, like who's going to do that? You're just spending more money. I mean, you can't, you can't make a person take care of themselves. I think that's part of the issue. It's um, not making can, someone take care of themselves. It's giving them food stamp money that they need to spend by the end of the month or they lose the money. It's on a debit card. And the SKUs that they try and purchase from only work, like the debit card only works for these SKUs. So they go yeah, in but you're and, gonna and they've got to say You're going to say somebody can't drink soda, what they have no, to drink water? No, no one said they can't drink soda. All I'm saying is the government's not going to pay for the soda. So if they want the soda, they can still buy it. They just need to pull out their personal debit card to buy it. So if someone is on food stamps because they're trying to make ends meet, right, and they have a job, and it's a low-paying job, it's, it's minimum wage, and they need assistance. And so if they want to live a life just like everybody else that they see around them that, that might have a better-paying job that they can afford certain things, they can still purchase that with, with, with their own money. So if they want to go out and buy, you know, a gallon of ice cream, they can. They, they pay for it out of their money. But if you need essentials, you get essentials, and it's not in its own section in the store, so no one knows you're shopping for it. But you load up the cart, you go and check out, everything scans up, you put your EBT card in or your, your so what, food stamp so card, what, and then a new so total what, comes up at the end saying, hey, now you owe $50 instead of $150. All right. So, but like what kind of, I mean, what kind of meats and what kind of foods are you going to deem essential, non-essential? Is prime rib essential? Is ribeye essential? All meat. So any kind of meat works. Pro, yeah. A protein, carb as in bread, maybe some crackers. I mean, I don't, donuts? I don't have, I mean. Donuts or bread? Donuts are, are not bread. Donuts are donuts. You know, what about cinnamon? What about a cinnamon roll for breakfast? Cinnamon roll is not a breakfast food. We it's, eat that at what breakfast. What do you mean it's not a breakfast food? But it's, I mean, you, you can eat it at breakfast, but you can eat it at any time. I mean, all right. So like sausage and eggs. Can you get, can you get some breakfast sausage? Exactly. You can get any meat you want to get. I mean, when you go in to the bread aisle, there's only bread there in the bread aisle of almost every grocery store I've ever been to. Now, on the shelf behind you or maybe at the end cap maybe they start branching out into other breaded type items but they just wouldn't fall into a necessity to live you don't need donuts for breakfast you don't you don't need it you know you can eat toast for breakfast if you want donuts you get a job and you afford that luxury of having something a little bit nicer well I definitely would support any kind of reform. I do think that it's just, I, I, I guess I, I just more of the, I'm more towards the freedom liberty side. Like people need to decide what they want to do with their money and with their time. And 
it's like you have to have a type of a safety net for society because if not, then you're just going to end up with either hospitals or prisons being your safety net and that's not going to benefit society. So it's like you have to have a balance there somehow, but I just don't, I just, I don't know. It's just trying to overly micromanage what people can buy uh, food-wise. I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. Even though I want people to go through and choose all these good items, but like, I don't know. But why do you call it good items? Well, that's what you're saying. Like, you, you think people should choose like good, healthy items. No, no. Healthy never came out of my mouth. What I said was they should have only have access to the essentials, what you need to survive. So, for example, you don't need Coke to survive. You can survive on water. Yeah, but you don't. I mean, but you also don't need Kool-Aid like prime and sugar rib is dirt or cheap. red meat. You don't. But why would you? Why would you hold them back from from that? I mean, there's nothing. Nothing. No one's going to go there and spend all their money on on prime rib. I might, but you that might, might just be me. But I would do that or, or a brisket. Maybe I'd just buy like a big old brisket, just eat that for the month. There's, there's just certain things you can't, you can't regulate. So like the entire produce section falls into that category of stuff you can purchase with the, the food stamp card. Uh, I mean, there are some kind of limitations. Grains. There are limitations on it already, right? I mean, you can't buy like, I don't think you can buy like plates and forks and stuff, can you? Like you have to actually buy food items. I, I know people that have or on food stamps or on the card or whatever. All I know is that every time I've been to their house for a get together that they've had. And again, these aren't like selfish people. They're very generous. And I've been to um, a family member's house who has put out a spread of everything that they can afford. It's, 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 it's a good time, you know? And it's all, all, it's no big deal. You know, it was all food stamps or whatever. And there are paper plates and plastic forks. And I know that's not a commodity that they would normally spend money on. You know, I, 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 so I'm a, I'm making an assumption that you can buy whatever you want to buy as long as the card is accepted, you know? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately I don't know, but I, I know, I thought there was some kind of right. I mean, what you're saying is doable. Like you can restrict what people can buy. And I know that there are restrictions, but it's all done digitally. Right. Right. It so, is, right. It's done digitally by yeah, SKU numbers and you have to be a participating store. Not every store takes them. So they have they, they there is a regulation on how like you can't buy lotto tickets with it and stuff like that. So, I mean, exactly. there is, you know, there is restriction. No tobacco, you know, no, no alcohol. First aid. You should be able to buy first aid with it, you know. So if you need to go to the pharmacy and it, it's all it's not like a food stamp card anymore. This is your UBI, if you will, card that you, you get to spend, but you can only spend it on certain things. And I'm mainly talking about essentials to survive, right? Now, if I had that card, because everybody gets it, even if they went down to $500 a month, that is plenty of enough money for just me and my wife to eat and eat good, right? As long as we're cooking at home and we're making the stuff ourselves. But we could buy a lot of food with that. So I... I think $500 a month even is enough incentive to help me put my other $500 I would have put to the, towards that into something else in society. A little heavy topic. Deeper topic, maybe not heavy, but um, 
but I, I'd be all about getting me a uh, a debit card um, or just using that instead, you know, especially like you said, like if you can give people like smaller amounts of money that are just temporary, you know, just to get people through, I feel like that would be a, a, a cool way or much better way to yeah. um, keep things afloat and do it fast rather now, than trying to write and people if, checks. If someone gave me a card with $1,000 on it every month, you're not going to hear too much complaining until the government pretty much shuts down because there's no more money. So I'll take it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of money that the U.S. government spends on stuff is, is absurd. Agreed. We've got the money. The money is there, man. Let's spend it. Yeah. All right. If it's our money, China's money, someone's got money. We'll just use their money. Well, what do you guys think? Um, do you guys want $1,000 a month? Would you spend it? What would you spend it on? Let us know. This is that guy show. I'm Matt. And I'm William. Peace. I know I will run through all these brilliant streets of gold.